Welcome to Enbus Talks, a podcast focusing on business in Singapore and Asia, where we take the lead on innovation, new technologies, and new solutions. Because Norway means business. With your host, Anders Hegre, Executive Director at the Norwegian Business Association in Singapore. Thanks to DNB for sponsoring this episode of Endless Talks. And before we start our conversation with Paul Kastman, Director at Innovation Norway Singapore, we will hear some words from Jan Fredrik Schertorp, who is General Manager at DNB Asia. DNB is among the world's leading banks within energy and seafood, with a long history to support the industry's growth, both in Norway and internationally. The bank will invest in and lend money to companies that are future-oriented, and both DNB and society will benefit when sustainable solutions gain ground. As the largest bank in the Nordic region, we are also committed to contributing to the restructuring of Norway and therefore want to contribute to startups, having a greater chance of success by cooperating with us. The scope of our work is broad, but as an example, DNB shall contribute with a total of approximately 53 billion US dollars to the financing of renewable energy and infrastructure towards 2025. Welcome to Enbos Talks. Uh, we are here with Paul Kastman, Director of Innovation Norway, Singapore. Welcome. Thank you, Anders. It's good to be here. Yes. Uh, we are actually in the Hong Leong building, uh, where the embassy also sit, and uh, we at Enbus sit. Together we are Team Norway. Um, maybe you can start telling us a little about what Innovation Norway is and what role you play for uh, Norwegian companies exploring business opportunities in uh, this area. Um, well, as you indicated, we are co-located at the Norwegian Embassy, so we constitute the commercial section of the Embassy in Singapore. And that means that we help Norwegian companies that are planning to set up a business here in Singapore. We also try to put Norwegian competence and technology and solutions and so on on the map uh, to make the connections between potential customers in Singapore and Norwegian suppliers of relevant solutions. Um, so that means that we do individual follow-up of companies, obviously, with individual uh, uh, challenges that they might have. Uh, but we also do uh, larger projects, it could be events, it could be um, typical webinars and so on. We have several coming up, we've done several together before. Um, and um, we also do have pavilions on from time to time when there are big events, conferences and so on. Uh, so, yeah, we, we do quite a bit of, of everything really related to business, but we also do uh, follow up on research collaboration. We have one specific person dedicated to that at the office. He represents four uh, Norwegian research institutions uh, that have uh, a, an extensive collaboration with research institutions in Singapore. So, um, so that's that's also another dimension of the work that we do. Yeah. So, and now I understand that you have some uh, extended role. Uh, and that the, the office in Singapore will play an even bigger part in the region. Can you tell us a little about that? 
It's not so much of a role that has been given to us, I would say, it's, um, and it's not sort of a formal responsibility that we've been given. It's more a need that we've identified when it comes to uh, the businesses and also the public sector representatives of Team Norway. It could be embassies, it could be um, Export Financing Norway, which will be the new name for Export uh, Credit and also GIAC. Uh, Norvec, for instance, and so on. There is a lack of coordination. And at the same time, we do see a lot of the companies that are either present in Singapore or considering establishing themselves in Southeast Asia, uh, they are not only uh, dealing with the market opportunities in Singapore. That is particularly the case for Singapore. Uh, you have, what, 38,000 foreign companies, 7,000 multinationals, big ones uh, that are present in Singapore, but the market size domestically is the size of Norway. So obviously, they're not here to do business alone. They are predominantly looking at the business uh, that is uh, available in the markets uh, in the region. Uh, however, uh, we felt it was important to have a large, larger degree of coordination between the companies that are looking at the markets in the region and uh, public stakeholders like the embassies and so on, and Innovation Norway, of course, uh, to help each other out. So we felt we could do so by setting up uh, uh, business networks. Now, that's not a formal body of any kind. It's just a meeting place, a meeting place for companies, a meeting place for Innovation Norway, embassies and so on, and business chambers, of course, like yourself, um, to meet uh, on a regular basis exchange IDs, exchange information about possible tenders coming up that we should look into, possibly try to get together um, and so on, as well as giving each other updates on important market developments. Um, so within which uh, sectors are you setting up this uh, business network now? Well, we are looking at, I mean, if you look at Singapore in isolation, of course, traditionally the most important ones have been maritime and so on. Uh, but uh, but um, we have, uh, from a regional perspective, we have looked at the most important sectors to be uh, energy, more specifically clean energy in this case. Uh, the second one is aquaculture. And the third one we're looking into is health tech. And uh, of course, maritime is a very important uh, market as well. But we do feel that maybe the majority of the market is in Singapore itself. Uh, but for these others, uh, it would be in the region predominantly. Yeah. Can you elaborate a little, for instance, on on clean energy? What, uh, what kind of clean energy are we uh, talking about? Surely offshore, wind, sun, etc. But can you tell us a little? Um, well, the energy demand in, in the region here is, is going to grow uh, substantially, uh, both for conventional, but also for renewable energy. And um, we're expecting that uh, the demand growth will be equivalent to Japan's energy consumption by 2035. Um, and there will be annual investments in renewables, for instance, uh, in the range of two to three billion US dollars uh, last decade. And that's expected to grow increasingly in the time to come. Uh, there are, as you mentioned, different kinds of energy that you can look into. And, and you know, they're not... Uh, in demand in all countries. But for hydropower, for instance, you have Indonesia, you have Vietnam and the Philippines. Uh, for solar, floating solar, typically, we can look at the entire region. Uh, 
uh, but for offshore wind, uh, not too much wind in Singapore and you know around the equator, but um, but Vietnam, uh, Malaysia, and Singapore for the arts for the building of the offshore wind technology, um, but also increasingly possibly in the future Philippines and so on are interesting markets. And then you have hydrogen, uh, which is Singapore, Vietnam, Thailand, Indonesia, um, and then you have uh, uh, LNG. Uh, basically the bridge between fossil and renewables, which would typically be Indonesia, Singapore, Vietnam, uh, and then maritime energy, like propulsion systems for, for ships and so on, which would typically be Singapore. So there is a range of, of different potential solutions and technologies within these different segments that Norway could obviously uh, supply. Yeah, so so just maybe elaborate also a little more on the uh, supplier side here. Where where uh, can Norway have competence uh, specifically that uh, is uh, interesting or sought after in this uh, market? Well, if you look at the uh, typical membership companies to this business network, I mean, there is already uh, quite a bit of companies within clean energy present in Singapore already, uh, or in the region, I should say, from Norway. Um, we have, I think, a list of approximately 30 companies uh, so far. And uh, then, of course, there are companies back home that should be in the region, uh, but there are not yet here. Uh, so the list could, of course, grow, but that's the list that we are working with now. And uh, there is everything from typical developers of offshore wind projects, solar wind projects. You have your Equinos, your Fred Olson Renewables, uh, you have ScarTech, uh, you have Tinfos and so on. And then you have more in the consultancy with the Ryustad, the Amir and so on. And then you have uh, EPC, Aqua Solutions, Able, Multiconsult, etc., and uh, and then you have others like Yulton, Hydro, Kongsberg, etc., etc. And then there are, of course, within the technology space like Ocean Sun, uh, Jakobsen Electro, REC, Covis. You, you know the list is quite extensive. Um, so so that's that's what we're working with uh, at the moment. And then I have to say that these networks are built uh, to service the business community primarily. And so, you know, we're starting to cover Southeast Asia because a lot of companies are present in Singapore, but they cover Southeast Asia. Um, but it's a fairly loose structure. So depending on the feedback from the companies, but also from the embassies and so on, uh, and the other stakeholders in the Team Norway group, uh, we will uh, obviously adjust the network to, to sort of serve the purpose as best as possible. And let's uh, have a little look at the two other networks that you were mentioning also before we maybe move on to, to discussing why Singapore is uh, so uh, good as a hub for business in the region. Mm. Uh, but uh, you have also been uh, doing quite a lot within health tech. Can you elaborate a little on, uh, on uh, the potential within that sector? Well, we started working with health tech, I would say two plus years ago when I came came in here. And uh, it was a sector that we haven't worked with before, um, but it was um, an interesting sector because there is obviously a lot happening in this space. And um, uh, we see that um, the public health expenditure in ASEAN uh, currently corresponds to 420 billion US dollars, um, which is expected to grow to 750 
50 or so billion dollars by 2025. Um, so there is an annual growth of 6.5%. Uh, and it's sort of the fastest growing expenditure for households uh, in the region. Um, and of course, uh, over the past 12 months, we've seen uh, an increased pressure on the capacity of the hospitals because of the pandemic. Um, so obviously uh, to increase efficiency, uh, increased capacity, and also to increase safety because you need to be able to treat and give diagnosis, maybe not face-to-face, uh, -face, but maybe over telemedicine and so on. Uh, we see that the kind of digital health solutions uh, is something that is an increasing demand. Um, we also see prevention of more chronic diseases because Singapore and, and to a large extent, and also increasingly the rest of the region, but primarily Singapore, is facing similar challenges to Norway with old age, chronic diseases. So your pre prevention of those kinds of diseases is important. Um, cancer, obviously, uh, diabetes, etc. And then you have clocks in the system because people are coming into the hospitals to get diagnosis, to get treatment and so on. And it means that everyone is coming to the hospitals, it becomes clocked. Uh, whereas if you can treat them, give a diagnosis via telemedicine and so on, um, that, that can actually uh, help alleviate some of the, the pressure and increase the capacity and increase the efficiency. So we see that digital health solutions is something that Norway is quite strong in and it's something that is increasingly being used in the region. Uh, to solve these challenges. And that's, that's where we see the potential. Is there any particular field within this sector that you have seen that Norway uh, has something uh, on offer? That is... <clears throat> well, we do see within ICT, health ICT, for instance, uh, those kinds of solutions, systems, um, uh, that is quite strong. Um, there is also within, for instance, uh, you have um, the kind of um, qualifications that the, the personnel at the hospitals have needs to be updated all the time. So obviously to make sure that you have uh, all the employees at the hospitals have all the qualifications and updated uh, qualifications needed at all times uh, is something that there are systems to take care of to give you automation, automated responses when there are someone who's... Uh, you know, running the risk of not being qualified to do certain procedures or it's not updated or so on. So there are systems for that to, to manage resources in the hospital, typically Norway. Um, uh, but there are also um, kind of um, uh, platform solutions to treat and, and, uh, and uh, interact with patients via telemedicine rather than them coming in and, uh, and staying at the hospital. They can then communicate via telemedicine. There are solutions within that, uh, but there are also more med tech solutions, hardware solutions, not digital health, uh, where you have made for movement, for instance, that are creating uh, assistant equipment for, for, uh, for people with uh, disabilities when it comes to walking and movement and so on. So there is a wide range of various kinds of companies uh, that we have been working with. Um, so um, so uh, yeah, it's an interesting field. Super. Uh, and then moving into the third uh, network, uh, aquaculture. Can you just run us uh, through what that is and, and uh, yeah, what kind of companies are within that field? And yeah. Right. 
<clears throat> well, aquaculture is obviously something that um, has a large potential in the region because, uh, well, if you look at Singapore in isolation, they produce a tiny, tiny fraction of the food that they consume at the moment. And they have quite ambitious uh, targets to increase that percentage to uh, be more self-reliable. And that has been even more emphasized during the pandemic when logistical value chains and so on and logistics in general, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say broke down, but at the time really were struggling to keep up. Uh, so they're going to increase their own food production quite substantially and they have limited space on land. So obviously they are looking for combinations of aquaculture offshore, aquaculture onshore. Um, and then they also want to take a role as a technology provider uh, and developer uh, for the region as a whole. And in partnership with Norway, that could be an interesting partnership, we think. Um, there are needs within um, RAS, which is recirculating aquaculture systems, where you basically uh, recirculate uh, the water that you use. You have it in a closed tank, for instance. You can use it onshore, put the tanks onshore. You don't need it outside in the ocean. Um, and uh, there is um, opportunities within feed, for instance, and health uh, needs to be sustainable. Um, so there are various kinds of opportunities in that area that we're looking at. Um, uh, so, so yeah, uh, that's another co uh, network that we, uh, we will uh, set up. But no. just for the sake of understanding aquaculture, just what is it? Is it food production in the... Yeah, so aquaculture is food production, fish Yeah. Uh, seafood, uh, that kind of food production, that's aquaculture. Yeah, mm. and of course, uh, Norway is probably quite strong within that field as well. You could say that. Yeah, it's one of the biggest exporters of seafood in in the world, and so uh, obviously uh, a lot of that has uh, been uh, that that seafood has been produced in Norway, um, but um, in the future also uh, as capacity needs to expand, and also the demand for seafood would increase. And demand for food in general will increase. Uh, some of that production will also be put somewhere else. There are limits in Norway too. Yeah. Mm. So just then moving into a little uh, your assessment of, of Singapore as a hub, mm. uh, since you mentioned that uh, the market uh, is probably not necessarily here in Singapore, but the market can be in the region. But Uh, many people, many companies like to set up shop here uh, in Singapore. Can you run us a little through what are the, the um, benefits of doing that from Singapore? Um, well, Singapore is known for, for being a, a business-friendly country. Uh, the, it's always ranking quite high on the ease of doing business index. It's also ranking very high on the uh, transparency index meaning that it's quite transparent and easy to get an overview of the regulations, the policies, and so on. And speaking of policies, it's also very stable uh, from a political viewpoint. Uh, the taxation levels are not that high. Uh, so all in all, uh, it's a very good environment to set up business. You get a lot of support also from uh, the government here. It's very well coordinated, the government machinery to help companies that choose to set up here. Uh, so a lot of companies feel that it's a safe place, it's a good place to be. Uh, and obviously, from a logistical viewpoint and geographical viewpoint, it's one of the more busiest harbors in the world. It's located in the middle of, uh, of Southeast Asia. So 
logistically speaking, it's also very uh, positive to be, be located in, in Singapore. So, um, so that's why uh, it's, it's sort of achieved this position, I would say, as a sort of a hub in the region. Yeah, and and I know that you have been uh, active pull in building relationships, right, with the with your uh, Singaporean counterparts like uh, Enterprise Singapore, uh, which of course is very important in in trying to strengthen the bonds between Singapore and Norway. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little how you what your strategy is and how you think in this matter? Why it is important to build those bonds? Right. Well. It's obviously important to to have strong local partnership, I would say, if you want to achieve something. I think for us, the way that we approach opportunities is that we talk to important stakeholders, in this case in Singapore or in the region, and identify their biggest problem statements, challenges that they have. It could be within aquaculture, it could be within health tech, it could be within clean energy, which are the areas that they're struggling with? What are the challenges? What solutions could they possibly need? And uh, one of the most important sources for that kind of information would be local stakeholders like Enterprise Singapore. It could be the large health clusters. It could be the MPA within the Maritime and Port Authority within the maritime sector and so on. So to build a strong rapport with the local stakeholders, um, as a source for problem statements, makes it a lot easier for us to know which companies we should mobilize back home. Because obviously, when we then bring a group of companies to Singapore, we know that the kind of solutions that they bring are in demand. So that's why we are working with partners like Enterprise Singapore. And Enterprise Singapore is essentially counterpart to Innovation Norway. It's a similar kind of organization. It's government-owned. Uh, it's... it's um, but I would say the biggest difference is maybe that they focus on exclusively, I would say, on uh, on uh, startup companies and growth companies. They don't work with large companies so much. That's more EDB's domain. And EDB is? The Economic Development Board. Okay. But you work with them as well? Yes. So we also work with the EDB. And, uh, and the EDB uh, have a representative in Frankfurt. They don't have as large a presence abroad as we do in Norway. Um, but they have a, a representative in Frankfurt that also covers the Nordics. Uh, so we do interact with them to find common uh, areas of collaboration and so on. I just had a meeting with him actually uh, last week. So, um, so an offshore wind is an area that they're very interested in as well as aquaculture. So, so, uh, and that's something we'll explore on the NBAS event that we do together with Innovation Norway on the 24th. Uh, the part, potential partnership in offshore wind between Norway and Singapore. And that's very interesting to an EDB as well. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a very good rundown, Paul. Uh, uh, we have been speaking now much about the professional life, but um, uh, can you tell us a little about yourself privately? You are here with uh, two boys and a wife, right? Yes, I'm. Um, so I'm married to Sigrid Indeberg. She's uh, she's here uh, together with me and um, and our two boys, Oscar and uh, Georg. Um, they are seven and uh, four, both going to to uh, well school uh, here in Singapore. 
Uh, Sigrid, she's uh, a musician by trade and uh, she's uh, part of the founding team for the Norwegian Cultural Center in Singapore. And they're quite busy establishing that now. Uh, I enjoy, obviously, um, uh, the outdoors uh, together with uh, a group of other guys here in Singapore. We do a lot of biking, uh, which is which has been a, a salvation during the lockdown, I would have to say. Uh, so yes, uh, I think that's that's me in a nutshell. I would say that I'm I'm a bit of an Asian nut because I've been studying here in the '90s. Uh, in China. I lived in China for 10 years and uh, also had a couple of years in Nepal before I came to Singapore. So Asia for me has obviously been a lifelong, or I would say, at least in my uh, adult life, a lifelong uh, interest. Could you maybe on that note give us a short um, yeah, comparison of different culture in, cultures in, uh, in Asia? Is, uh, how is Singapore different to Vietnam, how is China different to uh, to Singapore and and so on? What, what are the different cultures here? Probably not very homogeneous. Uh... No, it's, it's a good point you raise. I think uh, the cultures and the framework uh, in the countries around the region obviously also impacts the way that we work in those countries. I mean, that, that's sort of a given. But I would say that if you look at Singapore first, I would say that by comparison to, say, China, it is quite transparent. I mean, the working language is English. Uh, it's, uh, it's, um, it's uh, as I said, the transparency and also when it comes to corruption uh, and so on, the rule of law, they score very high. Uh, it's very predictive which is obviously any investor and company CEO's dream. Whereas in China, I think it can be slightly more challenging to get a good overview. Uh, obviously, completely different language. English is not used as much. Um, also, it's a totally different um, uh, political system uh, and, and uh, so on. So it takes a little bit more time to work in that environment, as well as culturally... Uh, Singapore has always been quite international. It's been a cosmopolitan hub for a, a long time. Whereas in China, obviously, there has been isolation, less English language skills. And so the interaction between China and the West has been, uh, historically speaking, more limited. Uh, so the mutual understanding of each other's culture, as, uh, cultures, I would say, uh, takes a little bit of time to get used to. I mean, there is more interaction now, but... But uh, yeah, I would say that's one of the biggest challenges, maybe. And that, and that means that when Innovation Norway, when I put that hat on, obviously we need to approach the way that we assist Norwegian companies in the region, depending on the country. It's very different, I would say. The kind of needs that companies have in China, whereas the kind of needs that they have here in Singapore are very different. And our job... Uh, uh, it's also quite different. Is it also a big variation within the Southeast Asia region, or that is, or is that more equal? Uh, there are also big changes or big differences, but within the region, um, I haven't worked extensively in, say, Indonesia or Philippines, uh, Malaysia, or so on. Uh, but I'm quite familiar with the differences, both within the political. Uh, 
systems and and also um, the way that the cultural that you know the cultural approach to doing business is quite different. So some people might find Indonesia slightly more difficult to do business in, uh, slightly less transparent, uh, maybe more fragmented. Uh, it's obviously a much larger country, um, but. Uh, yeah, so I think yeah, I think there are definitely big big differences within the region, and so whenever you uh, set up shop here and you, you plan to expand into different countries and all, uh, obviously uh, to have people on the ground and also to help uh, uh, to adopt a sort of a strategy that is different from country to country is obviously important. Yeah. yeah. So you are also maybe advising on these things when you are in in contact with the Norwegian companies. Uh, yes, and uh, and you know obviously we we um, as I said these networks will obviously put the companies in touch with people on the ground in these countries. Uh, so even though Innovation Norway doesn't have a com- uh, an office in in Manila, uh, we do have an embassy, and uh, similarly in uh, Jakarta, and so of course then uh, to take part in these business networks meet the embassies, get some input from them and so on, uh, it's obviously quite useful. And I think it's useful for the embassies too to understand more uh, about what kind of needs the Norwegian companies do have. Because I think it's also, it goes both ways. They would like to help, but it might not be 100% clear to them what, what the needs are. Yeah. So just uh, looking back at quite a, a dark year in 2020 with the, the pandemic and and we are not off it yet at least not uh, globally mm. um, how are you looking at 2021 Paul <laughs> uh, well I would say that we've uh, 2020 as you say has been challenging uh, obviously not as challenging for us as for a lot of the companies. I mean, uh, but it's a mixed bag also for the companies. Some companies have actually been doing very well, um, depending on what kind of you know product or service or solution they're providing. Um, so examples of those who are doing well are? Well, you have companies within, uh, say, uh, tech uh, that are doing quite well. Digital technology is doing very well. Um, and, and uh, we've been working with Crayon, for instance, that are doing well. We've also been working with uh, health tech companies that are doing very well. Uh, so, I mean, um, it's, it's a mixed bag. But I would say for us, it's been obviously switching into hybrid mode. We've been trying to do a lot of our stuff. We can't do delegations anymore. Uh, so we've done uh, virtual delegations instead, which has been a good compromise, I would say. It's a better than doing nothing. So... Uh, for 2021, it's difficult to predict the future and it's looking a little bit bleak, um, but um, we are planning with being able to do both. So we plan for hybrid and plan for being able to possibly do it physically, uh, visit or whatever, an event or whatever, if we can. But if not, we have backup options. I, I think, you know, it depends. If everyone is vaccinated and so on, uh, maybe Q3, Q4 would be possible to travel again. Uh, but it's very, very difficult to say. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
I agree. Um, so I just wanted to ask you a little also about uh, getting back to, to the Team Norway thing and, and the embassy and, and obviously Norwegian Business Association here in Singapore as well. Um, how important is it for you in Innovation Norway to have contact with the companies, the different businesses, uh, etc. in what you do? Um, I would say it's crucial. I mean, uh, and this is also the reason why we want to set up these business networks is because we want to have a steady, um, you know, flow of information and, and, uh, uh, and sharing information between us. Uh, we do so obviously in NBUS. We are both in the board or I'm in the board and you're in the executive director. So we meet regularly in that context, but also um, in other contexts you meet with business. It's very important for us to understand how we can make a difference. As after all, we are trying to assist Norwegian business in uh, Singapore and uh, to some extent in the region um, to have regular meeting places where we can exchange information and, and you know, set common joint plans is important. Yeah. So I think uh, we are uh, getting towards an end to this uh, conversation. Uh, I would just like to ask you, what are your three advices for uh, companies in Norway looking at uh, Singapore and the region? Uh, I would say... I would say get a good overview of the market opportunities for your specific solution. Uh, in Singapore, obviously, uh, but also maybe in a couple of other key markets in the region. And how you go about it to get that uh, overview? Well, you can you can talk to us, obviously. That's one way to start. And uh, we, can, we can obviously help with that. And then I think, um, you know, um, getting in touch with some of the key stakeholders in the market in question um, to establish contact, um, set up meetings, and then find out essentially where would be the best place for you to establish an office. Would it be in Singapore or would it be somewhere else? Um, I think those are, are maybe the key most important things. I can think of yeah off the bat okay yeah then i just think i want to say thank you paul for uh, for a nice conversation very interesting um i think it's always interesting to speak with you because you are uh, thinking when you are speaking and you have a lot of uh, knowledge and competence to to draw from so, um, yeah, I think also we are looking at uh, an exciting uh, 2021 and, uh, and um, maybe you would like to, to just uh, tell people how they, uh, they get in contact with you and what kind of services you actually uh, have on offer and just a little more practical information in the end. Well, um, you can contact us. I mean, we have our, our, on our website, innovationnorway.no. Yeah, I we'll put that on the blog uh, blog spot for this episode. Yeah, that's probably the uh, the most uh, the easiest way to get in touch with us. Um, but we do also have a Facebook page for Innovation Norway Asia, which is also a place uh, to look for information. Uh, and I should also mention uh, towards the end that we do have a Nordic Innovation House that we yeah. are um, we consider it as part of a Team Norway. Um, 
institution. It's a, a Nordic collaboration between um, us and the other Nordics, uh, where we are making tailor-made uh, virtual, in this case now, virtual market entry programs for uh, various kinds of companies. Um, and um, for this year, we're focusing specifically on, on circular economy. We're focusing on health tech and we're focusing on smart city. So those are the three uh, main topics for, for this year's programs. So, uh, so you can also um, check out some information on their website, Nordic Innovation House. Yeah, we'll put that on the, on the blog spot as well. Mm. So, uh, yeah, thank you. It was uh, very nice speaking with you, as, uh, as always. And um, then we will um, move on. We will actually have an event uh, 24th of February uh, on offshore wind, uh, as you said. So we would like uh, everyone to, to sign on to that event. Absolutely. I think the interest so far has been uh, quite good. Uh, quite a lot of signups, and we have an extremely interesting lineup of companies uh, from uh, Norway side. We have Equinor, Aqua Solutions, DNB, I believe. Uh, we also have uh, Risto Energy, of course, giving their um, two cents on, on uh, the market opportunities in the region. Um, but we also have Semcor Marine and we have Keppel. Keppel just decided that they're out of the rig market, so interesting to hear from them what kind of uh, strategy they have uh, for uh, offshore wind going forward. Yeah. So then we hope to see uh, uh, everyone listening to this podcast episode at that event. And, uh, on the 24th. We, on the 24th of February. So thank you, Paul Kasman, Innovation Norway, Singapore. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Enbus Talks, a podcast from the Norwegian Business Association in Singapore with your host, Anders Hegre. To find out more, go to enbus.org.sg and join us for our next podcast shortly.